All right, I hope you got your Bible with you today because we're going to be looking at it. I know it's a novel concept. We're in church going to look at the Bible. Ha! How about that? Go figure. Go figure. Open your Bibles to the First John chapter 4. Uh, if you don't know where that's at, go all the way to the back and then, you know, hang a left. You'll find it. If you're not really sure, look in the blessed book of the index. It'll be a good thing for you. First John chapter 4, verse 9. I tell you. It says, in, in this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him. You know, whenever, I don't know about you, but whenever I, I, I read scripture, I just look at scripture, I have to ask myself, what's it telling me? What's it telling me? And so I have that question today. What does this verse tell us? Well, it tells us that God sent his son out of love for us so that we might have life and not just life, but eternal life forever in heaven with God. And then if you go to John 10:10, 10, 10, it's also abundant life. We don't have to have mediocrity. Now, I know some of you ladies in that went to that conference, you got a little excited a couple of times this weekend. So, you know, if you can contain yourself during this service, I'd appreciate it. Or you could say amen occasionally. That didn't sound female at all. That sounded, that's, I'm scared now. Abundant life. But you know what? I have concerns. About a year ago, I, I brought a message to y'all how God was was reminding me that I needed to love people. And he's still working on that because I'm not there. I, I, now, that was female, wasn't it? I done opened a can of worms now, didn't I? Man, man, that sounded like Cindy. <laughs> but it concerns me. It concerns me that people, particularly believers, are struggling to experience the full and abundant, fruitful life of God. I have to ask, why aren't people becoming more loving and and having more joy and becoming more kind? How can over 70% of a community fail to be in worship gathering on any given Sunday morning? Now, granted, we couldn't put them all hidden here at 11 o'clock. But some of y'all could stand. No, I'm serious. I'm serious on that one. If you knew that someone came in the day, doors today and you knew that person was lost, would you be willing to give up your seat for them? Yeah, amen. Amen. In fact, I'd come to a different service just so there'd be room. Because everybody needs to know. But 70% don't. And you know what? That concerns me, folks. It really concerns me. Because we're, we're created to worship God and give him our devotion. Uh, and we're supposed to give him our love and, and be in fellowship with one another. So why, why is it then that the divorce rate among Christians is almost equal to the population at large? Now, I can, I can try to explain why people who are not yet Christians don't experience this life, because the Bible tells us that they have not received Jesus and the life he offers. See, they don't, they don't have the Spirit of God living in them. 
We have the Spirit of God, but sometimes it never makes it to our face. Are you more likely to go up and talk to someone who has a smile or a frown? A frown. Susan has an office in the hall down down to there. Therapy. It's in line for you. I wear, I have this t-shirt my wife got me. It's called the, the grandpa's to-do list. Number one, load grandkids up with sugar. Number two, send them home. Works really well. A couple of years ago, uh, our whole family got together, and I wore that shirt to Disneyland. Now, I don't know what it is about that shirt or, or my face, but I had 34 people come up to me and talk about that shirt. Now, of course, I got to use it as an opportunity to, to say, well, I get, those op- I get those options of being a grandparent and, and having grandkids around because Jesus lets me love them. The Bible tells us God is love, right? Doesn't he? We don't know how to love anybody. We're incapable of loving someone. When we demonstrate love to somebody, we're demonstrating God's love through us to them. See? And that's the best part. But I, I, get, I get to wear it. We went to Sacramento just before Christmas, and I wore it again. Uh, into the mall up there, Roseville Mall, my daughter-in-law's favorite hangout. Not this one, the one that was up there. Although this one would like it too. Anyway, <laughs> she's shaking her head. Yeah, I would. We were in there for an hour and a half, and seven people stopped talking to me about that shirt. Then finally one lady in one of the stores, I asked her, I said, why, why are you asking about the shirt? She goes, you know, really, the shirt was okay. It's just you had this big smile, and I wanted to know why. And I said, my dad was right. He said, smile. It makes people wonder what you're up to. But I can smile because I have the Spirit of God living in me. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, the power of God is available to change you. To change you. You see, to the non-believer, the ways of God seem foolish. My concern is what about the Christian believers who have the Spirit of God and therefore access to all of the power and the resources to God in their life and it's not changed them? What about that? You know, we're going through this current study, experiencing God. And, and I really like a lot of the stuff that, Hank, uh, that Henry Blackaby um, puts in there. And uh, I'm reminded that he said that it comes back to one thing, and it's our relationship to God. See, the reason that we don't see any changes in our life is because we may have a Christian belief system, but we are not necessarily in a close relationship with God experiencing God in a personal way in our life. Let's see if I can explain the difference here. A belief system means that there are certain things I believe to be true. I believe God exists. I believe God sent his son, Jesus, who died and took my sins to the cross so that I can be forgiven and live forever with him in heaven. But what I have discovered is that having the right beliefs 
or a belief system alone doesn't change a person's life and cause them to live differently. It's just a belief. Even practicing certain disciplines, like prayer and and, and reading scripture, very important, or, or attending church, very important, but it doesn't bring change if we just do it mechanically. Oh, I'm out of bed now. I must read my scriptures. Oh, it's time for bed. I must pray. Oh, it's Sunday morning. I have to go keep my seat from floating in the air. If it's mechanical, it will not cause change. It's got to be in the heart. It's a love relationship. You've got to love spending time with God. I think Pastor shared a, a few weeks ago that you know, he's in, in his daily Bible study, it's now to that point that if he doesn't get to do it, he really misses it. Let me share with you folks that it's like missing your spouse. You know, they, they go away for a time, uh, maybe just overnight for something, and you don't see them, and you miss them. If you don't spend time in God's Word and spend time talking with Him, you miss Him. And He didn't move. You did. You miss Him. See, if we're just going to go through the motions because of our Christian belief system, what change happens? Zero. Change only happens when that personal relationship with God and experience Him living through us in a real and personal way. Thursday, I uh, I had uh, the opportunity to go down to uh, Hesperia and uh, I was to perform a um, graveside of a funeral of a a dear lady that uh, I had uh, ministered to when I was pastoring in Adelanto. Um, and it was just supposed to be a short graveside because that's what the family had arranged and, and all was set for that. So I left here that morning, all prepared to do a five or ten minute graveside service. And God had a surprise because I got there and they were expecting a full funeral and a graveside service. Those poor people. Fortunately, they loved me because as I looked over the group, I I, I was blessed by God to be able to minister to him, and and I had led each one of those people to Christ. But I had to do a full funeral with absolutely no notes. I don't know most of you, but I have a memory that's really a lot better than my, you know, my, my forgetter's better than my memory. So I had to just fill 45 minutes with sound, which really wasn't hard because I can talk about pretty much anything. (laughs) (laughs) I love you too, Fred. Because he's a Harley rider. That's the problem. Just forgive him. (laughs) 
Okay, trying to refocus. <laughs> I want you to listen to something that's in your uh, Experience in God book that Henry Blackaby write. He says, everything in your Christian life, everything about knowing him and experiencing him, everything about knowing his will depends on the quality of your love relationship to God. Everything. The core the core of your belief system is probably summarized similar to mine. Uh, that scripture, some of you have heard of it before. John 3.16. Let me share a quick story there. I told you I never know where I'm going. But when I get done, we'll be finished. It's okay. You can laugh. That was stupid. Um, when uh, our current director of missions was moving on, Rick Curtis, when he... Uh, the first time he spoke at our associational meeting, he said, church, we have a problem. And he showed this video, and it was a video of him and a sheriff friend of his at the mall in Antelope Valley. And he was going around and asking people, do you know what John 3.16 is? And, of course, his sheriff friend was arresting him and taking him away. But here's the problem. A lot of people that he asked the question to just thought it was a sign that people hold up at games. They just thought it was a sign. Two of 15 folks he talked to knew that it was Scripture. Listen to John 3.16 from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, or HCSB, as some people call it, the hardcore Southern Baptist. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You see, out of love, God sent his son to save us from what? Our sins. What did God save us for? According to this passage, he saved us for eternal life. For eternal life. In Jesus' prayer to his disciples in in John 17, verse 3, he says, Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So what is eternal life? Eternal life is knowing God the Father and Jesus Christ his Son. It's being in a relationship with God now and forever. You see, this is not knowing about God, but knowing him in a personal way. Eternal life is something we are meant to participate in now and forever. The only thing that will change is our address. Here to heaven. Okay, let me, let me give you some characteristics if I can. Characteristics of, of a personal relationship with God. Because the first and primary characteristics of a relationship with God is love. Is love. You see, there is a reason. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. It's in Mark chapter 12. If we miss the fact that God saved us for a love relationship, we miss the entire point. Blackaby writes again about a conversation that he had with one of the members of his church who was always having difficulty with his uh, his personal life and his family at work and in the church. Listen to this. He said, One day, I went to him and asked, Can you describe your relationship with God by sincerely saying, I love you with all my heart? 
the strangest look came over his face. He said, nobody has ever asked me that. No, I could not describe my relationship with God that way. I could say, I obey him. I serve him. I worship him and I fear him. But I cannot say that I love him. If we love God and walk in close personal relationship with him, we will desire to spend time with him. Spend time with him. I think you're a couple slides behind me there, Kenny. There you go. If we love God and walk in close personal relationship with him, we will desire to worship him and be with his family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we love God and walk in close relationship with him, we will try to discern what he wants us to do and how we should live our lives. It was in that, that verse that the God moment on what Gloria Gaither said hit. That God hits more in my interruptions than in my plans. Got to discern what he wants us to do. If we love God and will obey him when he reveals his plan, his commands, or what he wants us to do. John 14, verse 21, out of the NIV, it says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. If we don't love God with all our heart and have a close relationship to him, the opposite of all those things I said are true. We won't desire to spend time with God. That's a scary thought. We won't desire to worship him. We won't care about his family. We won't listen to God or discern his plan. Therefore, we won't obey because we either don't understand his plan or perhaps we just choose not to follow him. Now, I don't know about all you folks, but I know that if I asked for a show of hands, there'd be more than one of you that has decided to go your way sometimes instead of what God wanted for you. Maybe more than one time. Or some of you could be like me and you get up in the morning and go, okay, God, new day. Just you and me, right? And you're going to get me through it. And, and everything goes really, really well that day until I get out from underneath the covers. I have a trouble after that. You see, by, by not following God... We don't experience God working in our life. We'll continue to struggle with anger and we won't be able to get along with others, including family members and perhaps even our spouse. We don't desire to serve God. We can't seem to beat addictions. We don't have more love and joy and peace. We don't experience any miracles because we never step out in faith doing what only God can do through us. In other words, our lives as believers looks just like everyone else's. Except maybe we have different beliefs. 
That's not what Jesus came to earth for. It's not what he saved us for. He saved us for a personal, life-transforming relationship with God. It all comes back to the quality of our love relationship with God. I like how uh, Paul wrote in his letter to Philippi in chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Uh, listen to it out of the New Living Translation. It said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Verse 10, as a result, I can really know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I can learn what it means to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that somehow I can experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. Are you looking forward to that day? When he's going to change you from the inside out and you're going to be all he wants you to be and do all he wants you to do? Are you ready for that? Guess what? You're not. Because it's scary. When he's going to say, Bob, I need you to go over there and witness to that guy. And you're going to go, well, Lord, right now I'm kind of busy. Uh, I'm kind of busy here. You know, my chair might float up in the air. But we'll use every excuse in the book. But we need to just learn to let him change us from the inside and be who he wants us to be. Every time he asks and that's the hard part because i'm not ready for it i can make a lot of excuses for not doing what he tells me to do you see paul understood that nothing is as important as knowing christ not his job not his heritage not his religious convictions, not his good works for God, nothing. See, as a result of knowing Christ, we can experience the same power that raised him from the dead at work in our life. Amen? You want that, right? Don't you? Come on now. I know you're Baptist, but it's okay. I told the earlier group, the only problem I have is I'm Baptist, and that gets a little bit weird, you know? Because I get all excited about this stuff, and so I have the advantage. I get to go ahead and move. Y'all got to sit there prim and proper. Shame on you. Anyway, I want that power to work in my life. I want him to work through me. I pray every time before I get to speak or teach that he just moves me out of the way so whatever you're hearing is his words, not mine. I want you to hear from him every day. Now, I realize, guys, when I'm talking to the guys here for just a second, I realize that some of you get a little nervous or tune out when I start using the words love relationship with God. I realize that because we get the image of, of some heart-pattering, emotion-driven, feely-feely, kumbaya moment. Everybody stand up, give 16 hugs before you leave the room. 
There is not one example of that kind of love relationship between God and his people in the Bible. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. It is an unselfish caring for the other person. Love means caring about their welfare, caring about what they think. The key element in a relationship with God is that it's real. It's real. It is not make-believe. It is not fictitious. It's not a figment of my imagination. It is real. In the Bible, God made himself known in a real and personal way. See, throughout Scripture, people always knew that they had been with God. Uh, From the beginning when he walked with Adam and Eve, and I want to talk with them when we get there, because what were they thinking? They had Almighty God come down every evening and walk in the garden with them. And they blew it. What were they thinking? Or maybe that was the problem. They were thinking. Instead of just being with God. He was real to them. He was was real when he was walking as Jesus with with his disciples. Even after Jesus went back to heaven, his followers still knew of his very real presence. They knew that when God had spoken to them. See, through God's spirit, he is still just as real to us today as he was walking among the garden. He's still the same God. He's still real. And he's here now. I know, some of you Baptists, it freaks you out when I tell you that God's in the room. Scripture says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them, doesn't it? So he's here. Not sure who he's sitting next to, but... Y'all might want to, you know, sit up straight. (laughs) God's personal relationship is practical. He took care of of their needs. He guided, he instructed, he comforted, he healed. I'll tell you, let me, let, me, let, me, let me see if I can give you several images here. You see, because the Bible presents uh, several images of what it means to know God and have a personal relationship with him. The first image, the first image is of a servant to the king. A servant to the king. Now, obviously, this is not a chummy, chummy, buddy, buddy, kumbaya moment. It's a servant to the king, but it is a relationship nonetheless. Think about Joseph or, or Daniel. You know, uh, uh, they were second in command to the king. Second in command to the king. They were able to have access to the king and, and enter his throne room. And they had his ear. And, and as secondary to, in command, they had the authority of the king. Don't you want that authority? I do. God is our king. We are his servants. We have access to God whenever we want. I knew this lady one time. She was the prayingest person I'd ever met in my life. I think I told you about this before, but if I did, just bear with me. This woman prayed before she made every step every day of what she did. I was I rode with her one time. We had to go. I think we were picking up her daughter. But I don't know. It doesn't matter. She got out of her car, shut the door, and said, Lord, help me across the street. And of course, I thought, well, 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 that's kind of 
small. So I asked her when we got back in the car, I said, why did you ask God to help you across the street? It's not a Boy Scout. She said, my God told me that he's in charge of all the details. So I just remind him that I remember that he's in charge of getting me across the street or to keep me safe as I drive or whatever it is. He's in the details. He is king. And he has authority. And you have a close relationship to him. Have his authority. There's a couple of you I'm looking at that it now scares me that you have his authority. But we can be blessed in knowing that our loving king promises to care and provide for his subjects. And and we promise to serve the king and do what he asks. The second image is a sheep to their shepherd. I, I shared this in detail last week. I won't go into detail this week. But we are sheep, and God, or Jesus, is the good shepherd. The good shepherd goes out in, in front of the sheep, and, and they follow him because they know him, and they hear his voice. John 10, 3 and 4. We not, might not think of sheep and shepherd as much of a relationship. The point there is that the sheep know the shepherd and recognize his voice. Do you recognize God's voice when he speaks to you? Those who have a relationship will hear and recognize his voice. They will know the still, small voice of God and see him at work around them and follow him. Now, I want to share with a few of you, if you're going to hear the still, small voice, you've got to be quiet. Mark Lowry told a story about his mother and, and he and his, and him, his father. He, he said his father was a man of few words. He only spoke when he had something to say. Well, Mark said he and his mother, they continued to talk until they had something to say. If you're going to hear the still small voice, you've got to be quiet. And that's difficult. It's difficult for me. You know, I told you all I'm very shy. Still cracks me up. You don't believe that. I'm very shy. It's only God that gives me the the, the ability to say something and, and speak before people. Jesus gave us a new image of our relationship to God, and that is of a child to a parent. A child to a parent. John uh, chapter one verse twelve says, "Yet to all who received him, Jesus or the Word, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God." We aren't just servants to the king through believing in Jesus. We are children of our heavenly father. We are adopted into God's family. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 out of the NIV it says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And Abba we know is a personal name for father like, like daddy or, or papa. And we can relate to God as we should to a father in a loving, nurturing way. Now, for most of us, it would really seem weird to start a prayer instead of Father or Heavenly Father with Dad, help. But that's the relationship we need to have, that we can come to him as our Father and just say, Dad, help. I need your help today. Isn't it funny in some of our prayers how they change form sometimes? When everything's going really good and we start to pray to God, it's usually, 
know, Father, what a great day we've had today. We thank you for all the gifts that are ours and bless this food and amen. But when things are really bad, we get really scriptural. We, in fact, we, we even get King James. Our fathereth, who arteth and heaveneth. Yeah, what's with that? We still just need to say, Dad, help. Or thanks, because I couldn't have done that if you hadn't done it through me. Thank you. The last and most intimate image is of a bride to her husband. A bride to her husband. You know, in the Old Testament book of Hosea is a story of a prophet of God who married a, a woman who was working in the oldest profession in the world. And he loved her. Even though she kept running away from the love relationship and returning to her old lifestyle. God uses that illustration to demonstrate his love relationship to the people of Israel who kept wandering away and selling themselves to their old sinful lifestyle. In the New Testament, this image is further flushed out by Paul who says that we are a bride of Christ. That's a very intimate relationship. You see, the Bible uses these images to help us understand that we are meant to be more than just casual acquaintances of God. Through Jesus, we can have a close relationship with God. We don't have to just know about him. We can know him. A relationship that is real, it is personal, and it is practical. Whether it's sheep to shepherd, servant to king, child to parent, or bride to husband, it's real. Let me close with this. If you're wondering yourself, if you're sitting there saying, why don't I, why don't I seem to be experiencing God working in my life? The first question to ask yourself is, what's the condition of your personal love relationship with God? If I asked you, do you love him with all your heart? Can you say yes? Can you say yes? Because everything else in your life depends on that relationship. Everything. Now, this is the good news. No matter, no matter what place we're at, God is already taking the initiative to seek us and to know us. Now, I want to tell you that if you're sitting here this morning and, and your heart was touched, I want to tell you that's because God's already speaking to you. And he speaks here. The longest road in Christianity is 18 inches long. It's getting from here to here. Do you know about God or do you know God and have a close relationship with him? Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The knob to the door 
is on your side. You have to open it up. Now, I don't know where you're at personally today. Some of you I've had the, the discussions with, and I know that pastors had many of them with you to know and, and be sure that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. But if you're not, I want to encourage you to open the door today. It's not hard. You just turn it and pull. But you have to let him in your heart. Because until you accept what Jesus did for you on the cross, you can't develop the love relationship that you need with God. You've got to take the first step. Let me pray with you. Will you stand? Father, we come to you now. We come to you just so thankful that you have given us this wonderful opportunity to be touched by you. That, that you speak into our hearts and, 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 and through our minds, Father, that we move from just knowing about you, that we move to loving you, that we make that 18-inch road trip. Father, I thank you for all you're doing. I know that you have such great things in plan and in store for each individual that is here and, and the, what do you want them to be and how they're going to get there and what you're going to have them do when they get there. And I just thank you for the opportunity to serve with them, Father. We ask this in your son's wonderful name. Amen.